Jordan and Gretzky, Serena and Ruth Remembering great ones is easy to do But what about the no names who spent their whole lives Long stepping footballs and catching sack flies They're guys, remember that guy some guys now this bread is out he is steaming mad he is out and having to be forcibly restrained from hitting remember that guy the show where we mine our memories for nuggets of nostalgia about peripheral players past and present hey there folks me james here and i know at least one person who is not currently using any illegal or foreign substances zero substances currently being imbibed over here diaz with you once again and we're with a very special guest this week, uh, trying to get himself out of quite the sticky situation. Please introduce yourself. You know what? I was just I just had to wash my hands. It was a rosin bag. It's fine. It's nothing nothing serious. But that's right. It's me, the very special guest, Xavier. But today we have something very fun. We actually have a very normal guest. Please welcome the Editor-in-Chief of Baseball Prospectus, Fred Goldstein. Thank you, guys. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to have you. I would uh, introduce you by your Twitter name as well, but we are recording this for a release a couple weeks later, so I have no idea what your Twitter name will be. Uh, as we, Anyone who follows Craig on Twitter has probably seen this. I have to admit, I have probably come late to whenever the rules start. You seem to have bylaws for <laughs> Craig Goldstein-like terms being nominated and then seconded. I understand this now. I voted many a time, but how did okay. that get started off, if you don't mind me asking that before anything else? Yeah, no, I, I, the sad part is like, I don't fully know. Um, it, it goes way, way back in, in a lot of ways in that I don't know. I don't know how long you guys have been on Twitter. And it's like an embarrassing thing to have to be like, I've been on Twitter a long time, whatever. But there was a point in time uh, where there were regularly kind of like dust ups over GIF versus GIF pronunciation. Sure. It has, it's graphic it has, interface format, so it's GIF. Right. It correct. That is correct. And this was when, like, Twitter was a different time. It was like our hot dog sandwiches, yada yada, and all of that like resonates, and people know about it today. But it was like serious, like days were spent on these stupid kind of mental exercise arguments. Anyway, there was a discussion over over gif versus gif and the you know people love to say the creator of the of the gif uh format says gif and that's like that's great but he's wrong like he's he put it out into the world and it's up to us to then interpret it, it and as it's you said it's, the artist exactly exactly and to try and make my point on the side of uh of the hard g as it were uh i said my name isn't craig joldstein and i spelled them with a with a j on Twitter. And from that point on for an extended period of time, it was just like, I got Craig with an E added on. So it was like a softer G. I had Craig just in general. I had Joldstein, all this kind of stuff. And that's kind of like playing with my name has been like a thing on Twitter for a while in the community of people that deal with me. I'm mean, like that have to interact with me um or choose to i suppose for whatever reason so that's kind of been a running theme and then i don't i don't remember the first thing that happened but someone you know made a play on the name and i was like all right sure like i like to have fun 
on Twitter or whatever, like do stupid things. So like I put it up to a poll. I was like, all right, fine. I'll change my display name. If enough people vote for it, I did the vote and then it's become like a thing, but I don't like letting any, any rando just say like, here's the nomination. So I need someone to second the nomination. It needs to have like something to do with my name. Like people sometimes suggest things that have just, there's no C R G I, you know, any, any, individual letter of my name or even just like if it's a like i don't care if it's a k or a c like if the, if it has the sound the assonance whatever it might be like as long as there's some sort of connection there um it needs to be that and then someone needs a second and then i'll put it up to a poll uh, and then people were coming fast and furious with the suggestion so i said like okay every two days i was going to do every two days and that was still really too much so now it's like every week i will as long as it's in place for a week i will then put something up to a poll I I've ignored a couple over time that have been like a little a little dicey, you know, like I'm not I am an editor in chief of a publication. I, I do not take <laughs> myself seriously. People do not take me seriously. This is all the correct way to handle it, but also, you know, there's like there's a there's a little bit of a line. Much like the concept of guy, there are not necessarily hard and fast limitations. It does feel very much like a you know it when you see it. Exactly. Yeah, it is very much a, a Justice Potter Stewart situation. Absolutely much like like the idea of a guy. You know, you can argue your way into something. I'm willing to be convinced. You can also argue your way out of something. I This is uh, a, a very much like it, it feels right. And I get to choose. And I've also, honestly, I've tried to, I've outsourced. I've, I, I've decreed someone a parliamentarian. And so I try and, and provide a, a kind of a veneer of... Uh, of objectivity to it. And I've said like, listen, if I'm going to let someone else decide this, like I trust this person's judgment. Uh, they also like to screw me over. So like, but that's part of the game, right? That's part of the fun. So like, I assume if, if they think it'll be fun, it'll be fun for everyone. That's kind of the idea here. Now you mentioned that do have a lot of people that certainly seem to choose to associate with you because you are the editor in chief at Baseball Prospectus and you manage a lot of different writers within that Baseball Prospectus. I believe it has been consistently a bestseller every year since 2007. In that position now, the thing that I wondered as we were coming into this, thinking about how that would kind of affect one's perspective on guys, or at least something I'm curious about, when you are kind of seeing everything from such a bird's eye view having to look over all of these people talking about every single team does it make it a little harder to see beyond like those brightest stars that come up and up again and kind of dial in on the people that we ourselves might find ourselves more concerned with kind of diving into like weird spring training stories or guys who went on to become reggaeton guitarists later on (laughs) yeah i think it is uh, I, I think that's definitely the trend, and we try and kind of fight back against that. I, I was not one of the primary editors of the book this year after doing it for three years, um, but we do try and have a tradition. What we ask our comment authors to do is look for guys who were in the organization, uh, even if they didn't necessarily have a major league appearance, uh, but are an interesting story. One of my one of my favorite ones is... Um, Oh God! Now I'm 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 gonna forget his name. I've lost his name. But Ben Carsley wrote this comment, and he was he you would know him. He is a guy, but he wrote this comment. Uh, I don't. I think maybe he got one or two looks in the majors, and and that's not necessarily a guarantee that you're going to be in the book. But he had been arrested. He was a he was an Asian player 
He had been kicked out of the Australian Baseball League and then had been arrested, I think, in Korea for like a, he had opened up a noodle shop and then was also doing like some sort of gambling scamming uh, situation. He was on the Red Sox that particular year. He had pitched uh, for the Rockies, I think the Dodgers. He threw like 100 miles an hour. I have all these details and I'm blanking on his name right now but it's it's stories like that right like to your point about like becoming a reggaeton guitarist or something like that i think it's really easy to lose but we do ask our authors to pursue them and we one of the reasons baseball prospectus used to produce these books entirely in-house and one of the reasons we've kind of broken away from that is there's so much more content and availability out there in terms of like following guys instagrams following guys in in all these various capacities and there are people who follow these guys closer than we can really afford to and keep a grip on kind of the the bigger conversation and so we want people to find those stories and to use them in the comments and then hopefully as an editor we would see them you know when these guys dig them up but they have to find them and they have to be sure to include them and they have to make a case that it's worthy of inclusion, you know, that's the balance. Finding someone like that versus someone who got 14 games in the majors and is probably going to show up next year. Who do you include? You know, we can only include so many guys. That number is over 2,000 usually, but you know, there's a limit there ultimately. Kind of the last thing that I'm interested in before we we get into your presentation that you have today is the idea of prognostication with prospectus because you are you guys are trying to figure out what you think is going to happen every season. And our shows remember that guy. The whole idea is that it is something you kind of notice when you look backwards. While we're talking, what you have to say here about uh, our last example is there are certainly some things that can stick out. Like that guy seems like a guy or a story that's not necessarily going to be productive, but will be notable in some way. Is there anything that ever kind of clues you into that status when you're trying to find someone is there stuff that you look for that you think okay maybe this person this joey meneses guy or trace thompson one of these two guys is going to have some brief shining arc that we will then remember 15 years down the line um that's a that's a good question i i don't know that i have a great answer to it um i think there are things that i would say kind of like tickle the brain, right? Like it's not, it's not hard and fast. It is something that just kind of lights up the pleasure center in the brain, right? Like did that, did that read right? A lot, you know, for me, like I love names, Like that's something I, can, can I do something, if I'm writing a comment specifically, like, can I do something with a name? And then it's like, okay, this person has something that intrigued me. Like, let me look further into their history. Like, can I piece these things together in a, in a narrative? Like, so to your point about, Trace Thompson, like, can you sell guy who who hits the ball extremely hard, strikes out a lot? Like, that's look, that's modern baseball. Okay, so you've got modern baseball in it. That's a piece of it. He's the brother of uh, an you know a premier NBA player. Uh, can you mix that in? Okay, so even if you want to go just this year, it's like okay, play got back. You've got you've got the the three pointers from him. He opens up his season with a three home run game. Like, could, yeah. Could, could I start building out a, a Trace Thompson narrative out of that this season already? Like, yeah, there are pieces to it. And and the question is, on someone like, like a Trace Thompson, just as that example, do you, do you want to zoom in really granularly, right? His comment for, for the season might be something like, 
I want to talk about that one game, his one Madison Bumgarner three homer game that happened at the beginning of the season. And the rest of the season almost doesn't matter because that really was, does that tell the story you know, of Trace Thompson? I mean, it might not tell his downfall, but it might have been what his impact on the major leagues was this year. And is that worth telling? And then there are other guys that it's their whole history, right? Like maybe you could also tell his story about, you know, last year it would have been, he was on the Padres and he couldn't crack the Detroit outfield. The Detroit outfield was one of the worst in the majors last year and he didn't even get a shot. And then he goes to the Dodgers and rakes. Okay, well, that's a, that's a, the mo- that might not be modern baseball, but that's the modern t- Dodgers at that point. Oh, it's got Dodgers, people right? showing up to the Dodgers and being incredibly good and just like filling in every gap that they have very much feels like modern baseball. Right. So that's a, that's a, well, it's right. Sure. It's modern baseball and it's very specific to the Dodgers, right? So like, sure. You, you know, it's just all of those, it's just like, what story do you want to tell and do the pieces fit for that? I mean, that's that's less about projection, as you're saying, like what we use Pakoda for, but in terms of how we string out those narratives or what story we choose to tell, it, it just totally depends. And then, like you said, some of these guys are going to be completely backwards looking. What did they do? You know, is it over, like, is their career over? Do we want to look back rather than forward? And and we run into those same, same things with essays. And I think people... Um, people respond really differently to, to various essays. I don't know if you had the opportunity to read the book or you saw our Phillies essay. We we took a, a a swing, you might say, with the Phillies essay. Justin Clue, who writes for us regularly, who I think is, uh, I think is a brilliant, brilliant writer. We didn't know what he was going to submit because we trust him. Uh, he submitted his first draft, and it is it is an alternate reality where the Phillies won the World Series last year, and it's absolutely like uncorked. Like it is insane. <laughs> it is it is hilarious. It is, uh, and it's basically like all the problems in society have emanated from the Phillies winning the World Series. And he relates it back. There's some historical precedent to that. Like when the Phillies have won the World Series, within the next six months, bad things have happened uh, repeatedly, whether it's the markets, whether it's the other things. So like he plays on that and he and he creates this alternate reality. It's 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 really, really good, in my opinion. But if you're a reader and you wanted to recap a magical Phillies season that resulted in a great run, uh, possibly a preview of the next of what's to come, you didn't get that. So we have to make choices the whole time. And there are certainly people who wanted that, right? And I know that, we knew that going in, but like my preference, and again, I wasn't one of the primary editors of this, but my preference as an editor of the annual has been to take those swings because like, I, I just think you're never gonna read that anywhere else. And it did capture the Phillies in a lot of ways, the Phillies and their fan base in a lot of ways, it just wasn't an analysis of the on-field team. I mean, like if we if we want to talk about the vibes around Philadelphia and you know it, our World Series being the the warning of an impending financial crisis, look, I'll find a cardboard box to live on Broad Street right now. <laughs> if you're going to tell me that it means I get a World Series uh, this October, I would do it personally. It means that you your doorstep is right where the parade happens, so you've got great location, which has always been the number one thing about real estate. Absolutely, but. Uh, no, I mean, thank you. Uh, I think that was a really good answer to kind of sum up the different ways that we approach guys. And I think you have given us a great indication as to where you're coming from before this. But at the end of the day, we don't want to put the cart before the horse. We want to hear who the guy is that you have brought before us, the guy Bunel, today. 
Okay. I, you know, I spent a lot of time on this. I actually had a different name this morning and I, I thought more about it and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to bring you guys Orlando Cabrera. Orlando Cabrera. Mm-hmm. I don't, okay. I, so I, my concern, my honest concern with Cabrera was like, is it, is he like a notable enough name not to really just be a guy? Well, what, one thing I can, I can tell you, Craig, that we've established within the, the nomenclature of this podcast is the Babe Didrikson Zaharias line, which is if okay. you are less famous than Babe Didrikson Zaharias, then you are not disqualified by virtue of being too famous. So I think Orlando uh, is still very much alive. Yeah, I, I think in that, in that sense, easily under that line. I don't think he's, I don't think he's that famous. Uh, and so this is kind of the, was the appeal. He's very known. But I think also easily forgotten. I don't think he's getting a lot of play. No one is really, no one's really, aside from us here, potentially, remembering Orlando Cabrera. He's not coming up a ton. Now, he has some seminal moments. He has been a party to important uh, on-field endeavors. Uh, Obviously, he backfilled Nomar Garcia Parra on the 2004 Red Sox. uh, An incredible run. So I I have, my connection to that is I went to UMass Amherst. 2004 was my first year there as the fall of 2004. So that was, you know, that was a a strong connection for me to Orlando Cabrera. But I also think what makes him kind of a guy to remember is he's constantly kind of surrounded by more famous people. Again, preceded by Nomar Garcia Parra. That trade is the Nomar Garcia Parra trade. It is not the Orlando Cabrera trade. But Orlando Cabrera was also a crucial part of that uh, postseason run, obviously. And I had, you know, one thing I had thought about with the with the guy I did not choose was I think guys to remember. I think it helps when they have a nickname, right? I think that's one thing. I his very generic nickname, so not doing a lot for him points wise, admittedly, but he has one. Ocab, that's fine. Uh, he's not the O dog, Orlando Hudson, but you know it works. It works. Another there, crucial there is one. Of- there is one I just want to say that uh, Wikipedia has for him that is, I think, a okay. little bit better than the OCAB. And maybe it, it captures a very, very nice, similar mid-aughts zeitgeist to the 2004 Red Sox, so I which is... That, but I, the, I didn't remember this one. Did you? Oh, I couldn't tell you a single time I've ever heard him referred to as the OC, by the way. What to say? Uh, in my entire life. Never heard that before, but it's on Wikipedia. I'm hoping he walked up to Phantom Planet at some point. Is really <laughs> look if he's going to be the OC, it has to happen. No, I I think uh, so. He's played on a lot of teams. I think that's another another one. I was going to say he started with the Montreal Expos. So I think one of the last Expos. I know I know there's like the the whole Tom Brady thing, whatever. I know he's not the last one, but he's he was one of the last Expos, part of the original Expos franchise. I think that plays into his guyness. Uh, quite a bit. And honestly, I think the thing that tipped me over when I was going back over Orlando Cabrera was it's not just on the field stuff where he had over 2000 hits. He had two gold gloves a few years apart. Uh, He did land on one. If you look on baseball reference, he got MVP votes. He was 15th one year. Again, notable, but also not quite memorable. The big thing for me was he had like a blood feud with Edgar Renteria. And I don't know if people really remember that. So they're both from Venezuela and they basically got into a fight about like who was the premier like Venezuelan shortstop. And I think crucial to this is 
He gets traded to Boston, wins the World Series, and is immediately replaced on a big, at the time, I think four years, 45 million, something like that, deal for Edgar Renteria. And I think they had, it was written about on, on the pages of ESPN, Cabrera and Renteria's feud. So it's under the headline, by the way, now it's personal. So I, I mean, this is, you know, this was the basic outline of, of my case for Orlando Cabrera as, again, like involved in quite a lot, but also I think he's someone we should be remembering, I guess. And, and a guy, I think if, I, I was really taken by the, the description that you offered when you said, like, if you turned to someone and, and brought someone up in, in a bar, you know, I think it was Diaz's kind of line. And talked about this guy, like, if you brought him up, like, would they remember this guy? And I think he's a guy that they'd need to remember. It's not top of mind. But that if, if you laid everything out, they, they would be on board pretty quickly. Well, I think the, for the, the bar fodder test, I think it sets up well where you could say, hey, you remember who the shortstop was in that 04 Red Sox team? It's like, it was still Garcia Parra. It wasn't like, no, actually, right. it was Orlando Cabrera. Um, one editorial note, I, just, I do just want to... OCAB and Edgar Renteria are both Colombian, uh, oh, not Venezuelan. Yes, I, don't, I apologize. I can go... I, the, the other thing, too, though, is like I feel like one of, the, one of the things that's like a quality of a guy is like... Not that a country of origin is an ancillary detail, but like, oh, is he from Colombia? Oh, no, he's from Venezuela. Like, we had an episode that we just dropped today, actually where I thought it took two weeks for a couple guys to join the Sixers. It was actually only three days. So I feel like the, the air of uncertainty around certain details makes them more of a guy, in my opinion. So if anything, that helps his case. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't help that I had just looked this up and knew that it was Colombia and, and like the cities that they were in. And I just said the wrong country, which is, you know, not the greatest look, but so, so it goes. <laughs> it's fine. Venezuela used to be part of Colombia. Wait, what is Venezuela? It used to be part of Colombia back when it was Gran Colombia, uh, uh, and it was just like the entire northern part of South America was just called Colombia. I would see this is the kind of knowledge. Had I had it, I could claim I made that mistake, but no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it was um, like this big. Yeah, there's. I don't. It was. It's. It's very interesting. There's this like big feud between Cabrera and and Renteria and Barranquilla and Cartagena. And like all this kind of stuff, and like who was kind of serving the future? Uh, Renteria like spent his off seasons in Miami to avoid like the Colombian press, and Cabrera went back to Colombia and like invested in youth leagues and stuff. And they just spent a lot of time trying to show each other up and make each other look bad. And it was like I I remembered this happening, and I went to look it up and had this whole whole article on it at the time. Again. You know, it might be like if you're you're of a certain age. I know I'm a little bit older than you guys. Like maybe that's that's like a little more prevalent on the memory. But like again, I I, I still think the big thing, as as Diaz is pointing out, is like if you he, he was the the curse breaking Red Sox. He was the shortstop on the team that did it, and he was not a small like he he played well. And here's the other part I, I wanted to mention on on his uh, on his production on the field. He had one season in his career where he was an above-average offensive shortstop, an offensive player in the major league. One season, he had a 105 OPS plus, career high, and he played for 15 years. And I just think that's, you know, that's persevering on some level. I'm 
very interested by that because I pulled him up when we started talking about Leonard Pereira because I remember he's like, he has a gold glove or two. He has exactly two. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. He also has a year where he led the league in errors. And I know like the error is a somewhat flawed <laughs> statistic, but if your career high, and that was an early one too, this is before both of the gold gloves. So theoretically before that reputation, but a career high 105 OPS plus, and he got enough run to stick around long enough to even get those gold gloves and like put that air lead uh, 29 league leading air season behind him. I'd, I, there was clearly something else going on. There's some extra juice he was bringing to, I don't know, the locker room or just the general vibes. Yeah. And like, what I would say is like, there, there's, there's definitely a more elegant way to say this. I'm going to say it in a slightly vulgar way. Um, but you don't last 15 years if you're below average and you're also an asshole. Um, <laughs> yeah. That doesn't yeah. happen. So like stands to True. reason most of his teammates enjoyed playing with him. I would assume. Yeah, as long as it wasn't Edgar Renteria, yeah, I think so. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, I I think that's true, and I think he was I think he was legitimately a very good defender, but it's also not elite, right? Like it's all these things that kind of add up or don't add up to me that really make him just like a guy. Like he's he's not again like two thousand hits. That's not nothing. That's a lot. That's a lot of hits over time. Uh, he had a 272 career average. That's good. But 80, you know, again, this this era, he's 97 to 2011, 84 OPS plus overall. Not so great. And and then two gold gloves is good. They were like six years apart. So it wasn't like dominating the the defensive special. You know, it's not like Renteria, who I think had a, like four gold gloves or whether it's Ozzie Smith or obviously he's a Hall of Famer, but like someone who is so impactful on the defensive end that you're you're willing to tolerate, you know, pretty far below average performance offensively. I mean, I also love any time that we get to remember the the Montreal Expos in a fantasy baseball league that the three of us are in. My running team name for four years now has been the Royal Mountain Exposition. So I've always loved the Expos. And yeah, like I remember watching a ton of 1 p.m. Phillies games uh, in the summers of my youth, going against Tony Armas Jr., Javier Vasquez, Vlad Guerrero, and, of course, Orlando Cabrera um, at shortstop. So very fond memories playing on that field turf up there. Do you know what unbreakable record he holds as a result of his time with the Montreal Expos? Would it be consecutive games started for the Expos? Not consecutive games started, though he is one of only four players ever to uh, play all 162 in a season. He apparently has the most home runs ever by a Montreal Expos shortstop in a single season with 17. <laughs> See, that's at 17, you know. It's pretty, it's really a sign of the, the Expos ended right before shortstops learned how to hit, unfortunately. <laughs> That's exactly. See, that's the kind of reason I should be bringing to the table for my case. That's good. That's a good, that's a nice fun fact. Single season. Any more record. qualifiers, and I'd say we're getting into the ESPN. He's the all time leader in Tuesday 4 p.m. games uh, so, in OPS. Plus. I, have, I have strong feelings about fun facts and the number of qualifiers, kind of the number of filters you need to have. But that's single season, position, team. That's three. three. I think four, three is the max. Four, is, four is when you get. I think over three, you start to get really into trouble. But I think, I think in that kind of sense, it's, it's okay. Good things come in threes, including qualifiers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Xavier, what are, your, uh, what are your thoughts on Orlando Cabrera here initially? 
Oh, I like blood feuds. I, I'm very much all for. <laughs> I'm very much all for athletes being petty, and we don't have enough of that in MLB. Every other sport knows that's what drives ratings and fan engagement. I'm sure if this was 2023 and the two of them were on Twitter just going at each other like Kevin Durant and everybody else that tweets at Kevin Durant, it would just be so fun to watch. So I like that. I also want to give Columbia a win because I was thinking back to the World Baseball Classic and how like how close they got to qualifying for the knockout stage but then finished last. And also, I was looking at their roster. There are not a lot of good players on Columbia anymore. They only have a handful of professionals. Most of them are backups. On the show, which is, you know, obviously not the, the best way to, to, to rate things, they have one player who's rated over an 80, and it's Gio Urshela. Gio Urshela is apparently the best Colombian in MLB right now. And that is I a very far cry from answered. 20 years ago. But yeah, God, I would not have said Gio Urshela. Well, I love the... Um... The blood feud, I mean, just to further your point too, Zayer, because I mean, I just love that it's two countrymen that hate each other because like, I feel like especially in our American perspective, you just like, oh, those two guys, same place. They must love each other. <laughs> um, but like in, in NBA, I, I always thought that uh, Joel Embiid and Pascal Siakam were like best friends and they fucking hate each other, actually, even though they're both in Cameroon. So, so, I, I, love, so I, I love the, the subverting of expectations. I, I just want to read a couple quotes from this this ESPN piece uh, from Jorge Arangare at the time. This is Edgar Renteria talking. He says he wanted to buy one team so he could wreck everything that's been done with the league. This is a, a league in Colombia. He says, I think he did it out of malice. You should ask him what he has against the Renterias. For several years, people have told me that he's jealous of me. People have always known me more in Colombia than him. And I think that bothers him. So it's just, you, you're getting like, you know, it's just these these very eye they're not subtle at all but they're digs it's just like i'm so great and i think it's i think it's bothering him and then at some point he says God, he he says like why would i why would i be jealous of edgar renteria i've spent my entire life growing up in holbert's shadow and that's either his brother or his father but i'm laughing a lot at the idea <laughs> of growing up in the shadow of holbert cabrera who i like a lot was on the dodgers at one point you know played for the for, for cleveland for a little bit um i think was the manager of the colombian team this year i believe uh, at the wbc you know he's yep. they're a known figure uh he's holbert cabrera jr as his father is there is a big name in colombia but like I just like the idea that it's like I've grown up in the shadow of, in my mind, it's Holbert Cabrera Jr. Like, why would I care about Edgar Renteria? It's just these guys, like, it's just the pettiest stuff. Also that his best defense against that is like, no, I'm not embarrassed by growing up in your shadow. I grew up in my older brother's shadow. So take that. Exactly. I have learned a couple things about Orlando Cabrera during all of this that, that I am interested in. I so we, we mentioned that Edgar Renteria gets oh first off I just want to say I love how much we've gotten to talk about Edgar Renteria he is I think tied for the player that most represents the Florida Marlins to me uh with Dan Ugla when I think of the Florida Marlins I think of Dan Ugla and Edgar Renteria and it's just it has just tickled me to have them not, here in my not mind. Levon not Levon Hernandez I mean, I like Levon Hernandez, but it, the first two that come to mind are Edgar Renteria and Dan Ugla. It's, it's going to be one of those two. They feel like Mr. Florida Marlin to me. I think Josh Beckett is, is who I, was I get. Say, any, anyone on that, that rotation that was like Beckett, Burnett, 
They, they See, I just got though. jealous when other teams had good rotations. So I focused on the hitters because that was something I could relate more to as an Orioles fan. Well, even then you got um you got twenty year old Miggy. Uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I always forget that's his World only World Series. That's right. In addition to this, so when Edgar Renneria gets that contract with the Red Sox, at the exact same time, Cabrera goes out and he gets uh, what is apparently an, it is a four-year, $32 million, averaging $8 million a year contract with the Anaheim Angels. And the Anaheim Angels do not have the best record for paying Anything. anybody. <laughs> this coming right after, you know, their one... See, I would have to check. I mean, maybe they gave Vlad Guerrero an extension sometime after that, and I have to imagine any money they gave to Vlad Guerrero was probably the last good money that they spent until Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. So to think of him as like being one of the beginnings of this lineage of just really bad investments by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, I enjoy that very much. We also mentioned his vibes. Apparently one time when he was on the IL in Cincinnati, he wore the Bat Boy uniform and served as the Bat Boy for a full game. So I think we can <laughs> See, confirm. This is how he sticks around. That's yeah, like he was apparently an immaculate vibes player, despite the fact that he did not finish out that full season with them and did eventually. Oh no, he finished that full season and then got bought out afterwards and signed with the baseball team at the time. Now guardians. I, I don't know about you guys. I, I think I feel pretty good about Orlando Cabrera. I think I feel pretty good about the OC. What you say? I feel good about it if you just never call him the OC again. <laughs> I can so do we, that. I can so agree with that. So Orlando Ocab Cabrera would be in. The <laughs> OC would be banned. Yeah, well, there's a stipulation to his to his guidance. I I can't put that on the if if we were to vote him in. I don't want to get presumptuous, but I can't put that on the plaque that I make for him later. I understand. I understand. I think that's fine. I've I've said it enough times for it to at least in my head be associated with him forever now. Just just do uh, the asterisk and we'll do it like uh, Roger Maris's home run. Everybody will just wonder what that little that little star thing is doing up there. Do we have any further dissent? Uh, otherwise, it sounds like we've come to a consensus. I do believe we have a consensus. Uh, so the guy Bunel would like to thank Craig for this tremendous presentation uh, and bringing recognition and remembrance to a guy that has done a ton for Colombian baseball, a guy that's done a ton for baseball everywhere, the man at the shortstop to break the curse of the Bambino, and most importantly, OCAB, Orlando Cabrera. That is his only nickname, and he is officially inducted into this Hall of Guy. Congratulations to OCAB. Congratulations to the whole Cabrera family, both the Jolberts. Um, <laughs> It's the the whole Jolbert team. I, is there a third Jolbert at this point? Because presumably, like Orlando and Jolbert, that's have a had great question. That afterwards. might be that might be who needs to be on the next, you know, team Columbia at this point. It's like the Odor Jolbert family. El Tesero. It's it's that's, that's, there's it, three it, 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 there's three Rugneds and three Ruglesses. <laughs> Ruglesses is so unserious. I love it. I think I like it even more. It's just like uh, we can't use Rugnet anymore. We love the name Douglas. We're going for it. <laughs> Why well, it, it it personally tickles me because like my father's name is Edwin and he also has an ed, an older brother who's named Eddie. Like my my grandparents just ran out of ideas at a certain point. <laughs> my uh, paternal grandfather, he and my paternal grandmother were very old when they finally had their first child, who was my aunt. And this uh, man's name was Robert Adam. 
And he figured, you know, it's been a while. I don't know if I'm going to get another shot at a kid. So I know this isn't a boy, but I am going to name her after myself. And so her name is Robin Ann, which is the closest he could get. And then a couple years later, turns out they did have a boy. He's like, actually, I am also going to name this one after me. So this will be Robert Adam Fullweather III. And so both my father and aunt are named after their father. That's, that's really good. That's a massive new money ego. Uh, man, sure wish some of that had stuck around long enough and not just the embarrassment of his naming practices. I, I will also note, I mean, this is, this is post-induction, but uh, I didn't realize Orlando was also part of the Team Columbia. I think there's an article on MLB.com that uh, said that he and Holbert were taking, taking control of Team Columbia. So he's still, you know, he's adding to his legacy as we speak. We're going to pit him and Dave Nilsson against one another eventually and, and see who between the two of them can come out. That will, they'll, one of them will get a slightly higher position in the same wing for this season. Uh, so it'll have to be between Australia and Columbia. I think that at this point probably be a pretty even game, which again, Xavier, I think speaks to the fall of Columbia yeah, that you have described. Not, not ideal. Uh, but Craig, I mean, thank you so much for spending this time with us. If people want to spend more time with you and your musings, where can they do that? Uh, they can do it on Twitter. I never suggest it. I mean, even when Twitter was fun to be on, uh, which now it is just extremely different. Uh, at CD Goldstein, just my initials and, and then my last name, Goldstein. Uh, they can also do so at Baseball Prospectus. It is a subscription website. We post stuff for free every day as well. They can buy the book, which is the Baseball Prospectus Annual. And I also have a podcast, which is Five and Dive, which is twice a week. And uh, that's free to listen to. So... Uh, there's there's a lot of me out there, much to the chagrin of uh, pretty much everyone at this point. And a reminder that we have absolutely no way to promise you what you will find if you search for the tag CD Goldstein. But uh, you'll be able to Uh-oh. see a lovely little Calvin. <laughs> we can promise that yeah. much. But, I mean, thank you so much to you, Craig. And to, of course, our producer, Craig Bott, and all the coders behind him. And to our musical director, Don Ham, for our lovely theme song. And, most of all, to you, dear listener, for joining us once again this week. We hope you will join us again next week. You can, in the meantime, check out all the rest of our stuff at bit.ly slash remember that guy, all lowercase, all one word. And until that next opportunity to join us, I have been James. I've been the very special guest, Xavier. I'm the very normal guest, Craig Goldstein, editor-in-chief of Baseball Perspectives. And I'm Diaz, and as noted piece of shit Pete Rose once said, I'd be willing to bet you, if I was a betting guy, that I'd never bet on baseball. Baseball.